Morning, Hope Church. You guys are the 11 or what service is this? 11? 10.45, 10.30? All right. You guys are the, the ones that you got sleeping a little bit this morning. So we're going we're gonna to hit the ground running. And uh, I'm just so thankful you're here. And those of you who are, who are online, joining online, uh, I want you to know as we get into the Word that um, God's going to speak to us today. And our hearts are either more open to what God's called us to do after we hear his word, um, or, or we get more hardened to what God is asking us to do. There is no way that you could ever walk away from being in the body of Christ without having some impact on your life. So we just, uh, those who are online, we just welcome you, and those who are here in person. I also want to uh, just uh, encourage you, I'm not going to give a district report. I know you're disappointed about that. We're just going to get into God's Word together, and uh, what matters is this church is a gospel footprint in this community. I met people who drive across the river uh, today. You all know there's different bridges to different states. I didn't know they didn't get along with each other, but uh, anyway, I don't know a lot about Dubuque, but I now know you take one to Illinois and one to Wisconsin, right? Or I should say Wisconsin, because that's where I was born. So anyway, I just uh, love the people of this church, just getting to know you all in the hallways and in between. And uh, this is a church that is well-led, and God is doing some amazing things here. And so we're going to dig into Acts chapter 8, and I want to encourage you to uh, open your Bibles and be with me as we walk through Acts chapter 8. We're going to get into beginning in verse 26, but I'm going to mention a couple of things leading into it. Uh, but let's pray. Let's pray before we jump in. Father, I want to thank you for the, the privilege to be able to serve in the EFCA. We are a people that love your word. We're a people that come together, an association of churches that are gathered. On, we want to bring glory to Christ. In every community that we gather in, we want everybody to hear the good news. We want you to be magnified and, and glorified, and we're thankful for Hope Church in Dubuque. We're thankful, God, for the footprint of the gospel here. And I would pray that you would uh, bring glory to your son, Jesus Christ. As we gather, as we look into your word, may you be honored, may you be lifted high. And God, I thank you for every single person uh, who will be listening this morning. Uh, May your Holy Spirit speak to us because your servants are listening. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. So as a pastor, and my wife Tracy is here with me today, she travels with me a lot, and we have four states uh, that I get to serve and, and oversee, but it's more about serving really than overseeing, coming alongside churches, doing whatever we can to help, and that is part of South Dakota, all of Iowa, all of Missouri, all of Arkansas, and so uh, away a lot, but my first trip here to this church in our district. We have 135 churches uh, in EFCA Central, and I just want you to know that, that coming here is a real joy and a privilege and an honor. I feel honored to be here this morning, especially as you've gone through this transition of leader to another leader. And I'll talk about that later, how unusual that is to be done in such a godly way. And I'm just praising God for you all and for the leadership for your elder team, for your staff, uh, those who have just put a lot of time and energy and thought and prayer, wanting to honor Christ. But trust is difficult whenever you're in a situation where there's things happening that are changing. 
When we, were, when we were much younger, our daughter, when she was eight, we have two boys, two girls, they're all adults now, we have grandkids, but we were going to move from a healthy church, a really good church, but God called us to a new place. And I remember saying to my wife, we're going to have a family meeting, so we did. We had a little family meeting, and we gathered our four kids, and our, our youngest was eight at the time, and we taught our daughters to have a strong no. Um, they need it in this world. You need to have a strong no as a young lady. You need to be able to stiff arm people and you need to be able to say, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Um, you can ask me more about that later if you want, but the problem with saying you need to have a strong no as a young lady is she'll use it against you as, your, as dad. So anyway, we're having this family meeting and we're getting ready to say we're going to move. So I, I told them we're moving to a new community. God is moving us and pastor's family, they do that occasionally. Well, she looked at me, and uh, everybody else just kind of walked out of the room after we got done talking about it. She kind of looked at me, and she said, Dad, I'm not going. And I'm like, well, you have to go. You're eight. I mean, you're, you're part of our family. We want you to go. You need to be with us. And she said, no, no, Dad, you don't understand. I'm not going. And she's a little bitty girl, and, and I love the spunk of her, but... but I said, well, what can, I, what can I do for you? Because I know this is difficult for you. And she said, no, Dad, you don't get it. I have friends. You don't have any friends. <laughs> Man, she hit me right where it hurt. And you know, she was kind of right. A lot of men are just kind of go through life without real deep relationships. And she kind of nailed me. It's like, Dad, you, don't, you just don't, you don't get it. And I said, well, well, okay, what can I do? You have to move with us. It would not be right if we just left you here. So you've got to go with us. She said, okay, when we get there in our new house, you've got to walk me around every door. Um, actually, first she said, you need to go door to door, and you need to find me a friend. And I said, well, there's a lot of things wrong with that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but she said, uh, would, I, I said, would you go with me? And, and she said she would. And we walked and knocked on every single door in our neighborhood. And we found her a friend. Yeah, isn't that cool? But you know what? I was, I'm not a perfect dad. never been a perfect dad. I made a lot of mistakes as a dad. Uh, if I could go back and do it over, there's, there's a lot of things I would say, wow, I, I would do that differently. So I'm not a perfect dad. I made a lot of mistakes. And if I would do that for my daughter, if I love her that much, I'm going to go door to door to find her a friend. You know how uncomfortable that is? Hey, by the way, do you have, do you have a friend for my daughter? That's really uncomfortable. <laughs> But you have a heavenly father, by the way, who cares for you so much. He knows you independently. Men and women and young people, I'll tell you what, God knows exactly where you're at. And you have a heavenly father who loves you a whole lot more than I love my daughter. And I love my daughter. I would give my life for her. And you have a God who made you, created you. And is that work in your life? And you can trust him. You can trust him in the transitions in your own life in the things that you are facing. I, I love Acts chapter 8. We're going to jump right into the Word. And, and Philip is on a mission here. We know, that, we know that what happened after Jesus died and rose and the, and the amazing things that were taking place in the book of Acts, when you read it, you just, you just kind of say, wow, that's kind of crazy. Can the church really be alive like that? And I want to tell you the very same God who was active in the first century is the very same God who is active right now in Dubuque, Iowa, and across the river into those other states the bridges carry you to. God is at work. 
But in, in chapter 8, in verse 5, we're not going to, uh, we're, we're going to jump into the text later, but I want to say a couple of things early on. Verse 5, they proclaim the Messiah. It's all about Jesus Christ. I love the way worship started here. We have a guest today, and that guest is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is here. He is present. He matters more than anything else, and we give our life to him. And in verse 8, there was joy in the city, it says. You know, when the gospel comes to a community, by the way, there should be good news when you move in next door to your new neighbor. That should bring good news to them. It should be a good thing that you're there. And it's hard for us to connect with people today. It's hard for us to know people. Garage doors go up and down pretty quick, fences and yards. But I want you to know, when you and I move to a new place, it really should mean good news to our neighbors. There was joy in the city, it says. And the message of the gospel, plus care for people, should result in joy in our cities, shouldn't it? And they brought compassion with them. I look at verses 6 and 7. There was healing that came with them. You know what? One thing I know about Hope Church is you have night to shine here, right? Is that one of the coolest things you've ever seen in your life? Isn't that one of the best? Uh, what I know about churches who have night to shine is that you have a whole bunch of other compassion kind of outreaches and ministry as well. And those churches, by the way, the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work. Because you notice the vulnerable. You have compassion for those who may not have a place in this world. And the world looks at and says, you know what? I'm not sure what to do. But the church needs to be a place of compassion and life. And I love being a part of churches where, where that kind of a ministry is present. I'm, I'm just thrilled that you are that kind of a place. And we bring compassion with the gospel. In verse 25, so after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. You know how normal it was in the New Testament in the first century to just talk about Jesus? It was absolutely normal. We live in a, a culture that is not more difficult than the first century. We live in a difficult culture, but you know what? We, we, have been, we have totally been taught that we can't talk about our Lord. And I just want you to know that, that in the first century, it was very normal for Christians to want to talk about their Savior. And so it, it should be the norm in our lives. It is normal for Christians to begin a conversation and to then talk about the one who gave his life for them. That's a normal thing. Don't ever think it's abnormal or unusual. But let's talk about living in the flow of the gospel and what that means. And I want you to know, we're going we're gonna to be done here on time, even though it seems like I'm going to linger for a while in that first point, because it's really important. Make room for God's interruptions. Look at verses 26 through 29, and you'll see it up on, on the screen or have your Bible open. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road, Anybody have an angel ever speak to you? Like just tell you what to do? Anybody? Somebody raised their hand in the first service, so don't, don't be shy. Yeah, yeah. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And you know what it says? I love that the text says this. It was a desert road. God ever call you on a desert road? You're like, I don't like this road. I don't want to be on this road. They could have taken a different path, but it was a road that was desolate. Philip went 
in obedience to God in a place that nobody would choose to go. Look what it says in verse 27. He got up and he went. He didn't say, well, well God, I'm going to pray about it. When the Lord of heaven says do it, we do it. There's a difference. If he is Lord, then one answer we cannot give our God is, I'll pray about it or I'll think about it. We just do it. We're just obedient to this God, this holy God. And then there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and, and high official of, of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Who was in charge of her entire treasury. Here's a man that had high authority. He had high affluence. He, had, he was probably very intellectual, very smart, and now he's seeking. Look what's happening here. He was in charge of the treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem. So he's drawn to God in some way. And he was sitting in his chariot on the way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. Then the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. You know, I don't know about you, but it kind of sounds like a little bit like God saying, just kind of be a creeper there. And, and go and join that chariot. Just kind of hang around and listen. And we just kind of want to leave people alone. We just want to keep our distance. But living in the flow of the gospel, God sees people around him he loves. And he wants you and I to be a mouthpiece of the gospel but also to be someone who sees them and hears their story and understands maybe what they're walking through, but, but having the truth of Christ to be able to share. You know, I, I've never had a time where I had an angel like, like speak to me in a way where I could say that's exactly what the angel said to me, but I want you to know what the Bible says about angels and about the Holy Spirit. Um, in, in fact, um, not only have I never had one speak to me, but I mean, the only angel I've ever seen is my wife, so um, she's the only one. However, I can, I can recount dozens of times where I know that God used his ministering spirits, angels, in my life. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits? Listen to this part about it. They're ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation. That just should blow your mind. The, the Word of God is saying that if you're inheriting salvation, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's no luck in your life. There's no, I did this in your life. God is ministering to you. He's protecting you. He's loving you. He's with you, even through the desert roads that you and I travel at times. We have, we have ministering spirits. Uh, angels ministering to us. If we saw, if God opened the heavens and we could see the spiritual world around us, it would just blow our minds. I'm really glad God doesn't because I don't think we could deal with it. But he is personal. He is real in our lives. It also says in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 2 in Hebrews, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I mean, that kind of, wow. That should pique our attention. I remember traveling during COVID, and really hard to travel during COVID. Nobody wanted to see me. Um, but anyway, travel during COVID, and everybody's keeping their distance, and go on the other side of the sidewalk, and yeah, let's, let's, um, we can talk from 80 feet away. But I was going to Northwest Iowa, where they had no idea anything was going on like COVID. So anyway, the other, all the way across the state from you guys, as far away as you could get. And I went to a restaurant. I was going to pick up a meal for me and, and a pastor that I was going to visit. 
in a, in a little church up there in northwest Iowa. And um, they did have the tables kind of blocked off, every other table, every other booth was kind of blocked off, but people were in there. And so I ordered at the counter, little place, and I kind of leaned against the wall. You know how we, we all do, especially when we're in a place we don't know people. Uh, we got work to do. I'm just going to stare at this thing for a little bit. And I'm looking, and, and I'm leaning against the wall, and I hear a voice come from my right, and, and the voice uh, is a guy, and he says, come and sit with me. And I said, without looking at him, I said, nah, I'm good. Now, you can say, what a jerk. You're okay saying what a jerk. Um, and I just went back to what I was doing. About a minute later, that same voice, guy said to me, I only asked you to sit with me because I'm lonely. I know. I was more than a jerk. Not only was God telling me, hey, I got somebody I want you to encourage, but I didn't do it. And then he had to tell me, I'm alone, I'm, I'm lonely. You know, loneliness is epidemic in our culture. So I said, can I still sit with you? I'm really sorry. And I went and sat with him for half an hour. Food was already done. And I'm sitting with him, and I found out he was a retired farmer. Never married. No children. No grandchildren. Lives alone. He said, COVID is killing me. I come into this restaurant because I need to be with people. And now there's no one to talk to. And I just, what a privilege God gave me to listen to his story for the next half hour and be a little bit late for my next appointment. And I, I just, at that point, I just said, God, I'm really sorry for my, for my lack of understanding of what you are calling me to do on a daily basis. And my selfishness, I, I just repented of my selfishness. And so I, I want you to think about that in regard to what's happening in this story. That Philip goes, he obeys. He didn't say, I'm good. He didn't say, I'll pray about it. He goes and he makes himself available to what God is doing. The second thing I want you to know, not only interruptions will come and make room for them, but listen to the questions of other people. Look at the text in verse 30. When Philip ran up to the chariot, he ran to it. He's, he's like eager to do what God told him to do. Uh, have you ever been there? You're like, well, I, I think I might need to talk to this person, but I'm going to kind of like wait for them to start the conversation. And he was eager. He ran up and, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Here, here's this great question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you think Philip knew Jesus a little bit better than this guy? He did. But he didn't say, I'm an expert on what you're reading. I can tell you everything about what you're reading. No, he said, do you understand it? Because that is a really respectful way to say to somebody, I, I'm here. I want to hear your story. Do you understand what you're reading? What a great question. An amazing question. And, and spirit-led, no doubt. Do you understand what you're reading? The guy said, how can I unless someone guides me? Very honest response. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now he's in the chariot with him, and he's sitting with him, this high official, this person who is a eunuch. And you can do a study of what a eunuch means. I'm not going to go into great detail um, and what that means. Um, castrated as a young man. 
And there are reasons for that. A king wouldn't have been threatened by somebody who had been castrated. Not gonna ha- he doesn't have to worry about his queen with that person. He doesn't have to worry about this person having any descendants. And because he doesn't have to worry about that, he doesn't have to worry about this person overthrowing the kingdom. Does that all make sense? But this uh, young man, this eunuch, what it, you would have known by his like, hair color, by his skin, that something was different about him. I mean, that was just the way it was for those uh, who had become eunuchs. And, and again, you can look that up later. You can, you can try to understand a little bit more about that. I wouldn't recommend going too deep into that um, study yourself. But, um, but hey, you know, as God leads. Where does he fit? Where does this guy fit? He would have been, when he went to the temple, he had gone to the temple because he had wanted to seek God, the Bible says. He would have been in the court of the Gentiles at the temple. He would not have been allowed in where where the Jewish people would have been allowed in. He was an outsider. He looked like an outsider. In fact, if if you saw him, he did not fit the picture of those who were seeking God in that day. And I, I just want to ask you, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like the outsider? And I, I have to wonder if God points out this story in such a way, because not only does he want to bring the gospel to Ethiopia, but he wants to reach this guy and he wants to say, you know, you matter to me. I see you. Another uh, portion of, of Isaiah um, that he might have been really ministered to by Isaiah 56, 3 to 5. Listen to this if you're this guy, this eunuch. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, The Lord will exclude from his people, me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, Look, I'm a dried up tree. For the Lord says, For the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath and chooses what pleases me and holds firmly to my covenant. I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name. You belong better than sons and daughters. I will give each an everlasting name that will never be cut off. If you are a guy who feels like an outsider, you're looking and reading the word, and God says, you know what? The exact thing that you're feeling, I want you to know that you can be a part of my family. There's no one, and it doesn't matter whether you're, you're online, you're at home, you're you're on the road listening, or you're here in person, that God is speaking to you and he is saying, you are welcome in my family. It's all about being uh, someone who gives your life to Christ as Savior and Lord. Your forgiveness of sin, new life, justified in Christ, made brand new. There was a guy telling me in the hallway, he said, here's my life before I knew Christ. It was almost as if he were kind of ashamed of it, but then he came around and he said, but Jesus changed everything in my life. I love hearing those kind of testimonies because it, we're reminded of who we were. We're also reminded of who we are right now in, in Christ our Lord. And, and I want you to think about uh, that just as you think about your own life and your own, in your own walking with Christ as Savior. Third thing I want you to know is living in the flow of the gospel means knowing the key truths of the gospel. Look at verses 32 to 35. The scripture he was reading. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearers, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who's the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? 
And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. He's like, there's an open door. Let me tell you what I know about Jesus Christ. You've opened a door. Let me tell you, let me tell you the story about who this Messiah is, who this God is. You and I need to know the truth of God's word. We need to know his word to be able to communicate it. Now, you might be beginning in your Christian life, and I want you to know, just be a little bit ahead of those that you're talking with. Just know the truth as God is teaching you, and get to know, be in his word. His word is uh, life-changing. It really is. The Holy Spirit, by the way, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being a wind. And I love that because you can't control the Holy Spirit. If you go outside, it's a little, is it a little windy today? It was a little windy when we got here uh, a while ago. You ever try to grab the wind? You ever try to get your hands around it? It's not going to happen. And I love that, that, that the Holy Spirit is described as a wind that blows wherever it wills. And when the Holy Spirit wind is blowing, it's kind of like wind on your face. You know when it's there. You know when God is present in a powerful way. And here he begins to talk about the truth of God's word. He knew the truth about himself and his own sin and that he needed a savior. He knew the truth about Jesus Christ. He knew the truth of the response to the gospel. And this whole situation is an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. I love that. Do you understand what you're reading? There's a little play on words in the original language. It's what you know, can I help you know it again? You've read it? Can I help you know it again? That was a little play on words um, that Philip used. So the, the powerful thing is here, our culture I talked about earlier is in an epidemic of loneliness. And uh, there is um, research on loneliness. I don't know if you've ever read any of it, but I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in research. And, and so um, there was an Alameda County study. It was headed by a Harvard social scientist. It's called... It was called the Alameda County Study. It tracked 7,000 people over nine years. That's, uh, I mean, that's thorough research. Researchers found the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. So my daughter basically was saying to me, Dad, you're not healthy. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have any friends. You know what they found in that study? People with bad health habits, maybe they were, they were smoking, you know, uh, poor eating habits, obesity, alcohol abuse, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, it is better to eat ice cream with good friends <laughs> than to eat kale alone. I mean, I guarantee that. <laughs> it is, just is. Do you know that if you're not in any groups connected with people and you just join one group of some kind to connect with people, you cut your risk of dying in the next year in half? That's nuts. That's crazy. That's how God wired us. We need interaction. We need people. And, and, and we need people around us. And, and, and this man was seen. Also, um, there's another study, and it was uh, published in the AMA, 276 volunteers were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. Who would sign up for that? <laughs> the study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were isolated. These people were less susceptible to colds, had less virus, produced significantly less mucus 
than relationally isolated subjects. Yeah, you heard what I said. I'm not making this up. They produced less mucus. That means that literally this is true. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> they are. It just is a fact. It's just a fact. You just need to... <laughs> you'll never forget that. Um, they just are. So as we listen to the Holy Spirit and God directs us, we need to remember that living in the flow of the gospel also means remove barriers. Remove barriers to the gospel. Look at verses 36 to 40. As they were traveling down the road, they came to water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. It must have been in Minnesota. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. You have a baptism coming up in, uh, is it a couple of weeks? You've got classes going on. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have never been baptized, in, you know, just immersed, you know what that picture is of your new life in Christ? It is a picture of the death of Christ when you go under the water, and it's a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ when you come out of the water. You get to be a living picture of what God has done spiritually in your heart. That's why baptism is so important, because it glorifies Christ and it says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am not ashamed. I'll wear the weird clothes. I'll, I'll be dunked underwater because he is not only worth it, I want you to see a picture of his death and resurrection. Baptism is significant. In, in our denomination, we don't force people to be baptized, but if you get up in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit says, you need to be baptized, guess who you need to listen to? I mean, God will lead you. It's a step of obedience in our lives. But I love this. He's like, what would keep me from being baptized? He's saying, I, I'm a person with maybe not, not the same color skin as you. I'm a eunuch. I'm, I'm an outsider. I, I'm just different. What keeps me from being baptized? And, and Philip, rightly so, as a follower of Jesus Christ, nothing should keep you from being baptized. Nothing. I love when they came up, <laughs> just, he went in the water and he baptized him. He didn't go to five classes. He didn't do any of that. He just got baptized. And you know what? You don't need to be baptized to go to heaven. That's, that would be the wrong picture. All you're doing is you're, you're showing publicly what actually happened already, that you are a child of God. You belong to him by grace through faith. You're his child. So it says, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Kind of a Star Trek moment there. And the eunuch did not see him any longer. He went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You want, I, want you to know, I want you to think about this for a second, what happened there. He went and did what God told him to do. God moved him to a different place. Now, that may be God's call in your life. It may not be. There are things that are happening in this text that they're not prescriptive, but they're descriptive. In other words, you need to live your life in a way where you're available to God, where you know his word so you can share it. So you've got a heart to be willing to step in obedience. God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. This guy was wondering, can I be baptized? I remember a guy who had, he had tattoos all the way down his legs and arms in a church I pastored, and, and he came to faith in Christ. And this is back when tattoos were a little more unusual, you know, a little while back. We're a little different now. But this guy said, um, I'm not going to wear the shorts and T-shirt. You really, 
are telling me to wear it to my baptism because I don't know that people would um, accept me here. If they see all, I'm just so tatted up. And I said, you know what? I give them a chance. I'm going to make you wear shorts. I'm going to make you wear a t-shirt. I don't like to tell people I'm going to make you do anything. But for him, I said, you got to do this. It's not just for you. Give them a chance. You know how well he was welcomed and loved. That barrier was, was one he was feeling. But it wasn't real in, in the church. In fact, people, uh, I, there may have been some who were like, oh, wow, this guy can even come to Jesus? That person needs to come to Jesus. Yeah, maybe that's what I need. Just, yeah. But God sees your heart. He loves you right where you're at today. And when you repent of your sin and come to faith in Christ, you are his son you are his daughter. You belong to him. You matter to him. Four quick things. We've got to move on. I, the worst thing a guest can do is go over time. So we've got other things that are important. Um, really quick, the four things. Um, see others the way God sees them, just to apply this. See others the way God sees them. Ask God for eyes that, that see the need. Second thing, be available and live with margin in your day. And you might say, but I'm not an evangelist. When our kids were little, I, did, I, I tried to coach everything that my kids were in. And I was trying to always be there because I was working so much, I'd try to run over and you know, coach Little League. So I was coaching Little League with one of our kids. And there was this little guy on the team who didn't want to play. And I'm like, you don't know the rules. You don't play, we lose, we forfeit. And he said, I, I still don't want to play. And so he sat in the dugout, and I said, no, no, you've got to play. You've got to bat once, and you've got to go out in the field once. He's like, oh, no. And I said, but aren't those your parents, like right behind the fence right here? Aren't those your parents? And he's like, yeah, they're okay. They don't need to see me play. And I'm like, aren't those your grandparents right next to them? They're just, they're just right there. Don't, don't they want to see you play? And he goes, no, they're good. And I went to him, and I said, no, I'll walk out there with you. You, you need, you're a part of the team. You need to play. So I walked out there with him, and he stood there, and the, the umpire was so gracious to call three strikes, even though the balls were all over the place, because he knew this kid was trembling. And, and then he, he went back to the dugout, and I went in, and I told him, I'm so proud of you. You faced it. You did it. By the end of the year, he was still a horrible baseball player. <laughs> But he had done it. He had faced that fear. He had walked up there and done what he needed to do. And I want you to know, in the body of Christ, every single one of you, it doesn't matter where you've come from, who you are, if you're a follower of Christ, you've got a message to share. People want to hear from you. People are groping in the dark, looking for a light switch. Third and fourth thing, share what God has done rather than telling others what to do. I think that was clear in the text. And then pray for opportunities. And in fact, um, you all have an opportunity in this next season of gospel ministry at Hope Church to continue to do what you've done in the past. You've been a place of gospel truth. You've been a place of gospel boldness. You've been a place of compassion. And you are a place of humility. You know how I know that? Because this one lead pastor handing off to another younger lead pastor now, that humble transition, your elder team being a part of that, the body of Christ 
being significant in, in speaking to that, I want to ask both Pastor Matt and Pastor Ross to come up at this time. And when they come up, I just want to say a couple of quick things. Pray for them. Then we're going to sing a song and we'll be done for the day. But I don't want let, to let this pass without talking about the significance of, of what's happening. I travel to a lot of churches. And you know what? This kind of a transition, unfortunately, is not the norm. When you have a capable leader who's been there how many years? 25 in August. 25 in August. When you have a... When you have a capable leader who's been there 25 years and he's still got something in the tank. We're going to call on this guy. He's not done with the gospel. And, and meeting, meeting Carol as well, meeting Noel and, and Ross and, and Dave and, and Jen. We met some of the staff. And just I want you to think about this is the way it should happen in the body of Christ. And, and you know why it's hard for your pastor, Matt, to step away? It's not, I don't think it's an ego thing. You know why it's hard? Because he loves you. He, he and his wife, he and his wife love you guys, and, and their family grew up here. And that makes it even more difficult to do this. And I'm not trying to make you feel like, oh, wow, maybe I should rethink this. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to say, this is the way it should be done. Yeah. And you have, there's other gospel ministry ahead for you. But I just want to thank you for leading in that way. And having a leadership team here and a staff that are a part of that. And, and yet you have a young leader who is a bold young leader mm. and, uh, and knows the gospel, communicates the gospel, and he's standing on the shoulders of other leaders who have gone before him. And with that, he is stepping into a ministry. God, I mean, God's done many things in this guy's life and with his wife. Um, and, and in gospel ministry, and prepared you for this. And I know you're stepping into it with a little trepidation. Like, this is serious. This is important. Follow. Yeah. <laughs> man i feel like we're in a baptist church this morning <laughs> people are just speaking out loud i love it as he follows christ follow his leadership be with him and pray for him and his family and uh but but god placed him in this in this role and so what a joy to be able to see this transition happening and knowing that god's hand has been at work in it and I want to pray for these two men as we close this time. Father, I want to thank you for the body of Christ here at Hope Church. I want to thank you for these two men. I, I would pray that in, in churches across our nation, especially in our EFCA churches, that there would be this kind of leadership transition over and over and over again. So healthy. We need to see leaders who are caring for one another, caring for the body of Christ, and, and loving Christ above their own agendas. And so I want to thank you for what you're doing here at Hope Church, using these men and their families, and, and then God just doing a great work going forward for both of them and their families. We love you. It's all about Jesus Christ. Continue to do your great work here at Hope Church, and bless these men as they serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.
God bless you, man. Thank you.